two, one. Hello and welcome to tonight's edition of Between the Whistles. This is the second home game against Vancouver. The Habs are currently leading 2-0 after the first. We have two goals from Josh Anderson. Uh, the first being assisted from Nick Suzuki and Ben Sherratt, and the second coming from Nick Suzuki and Brett Kulak. So uh, I think before anything, I just want to say congratulations to uh, Shea Weber. It's his thousandth game. Is, th is that the Silver Stick night, or is that 1500? I think it's the Silver Stick. I think yeah, so. I I'll have so. to double check later. But Great game for him so far. Yeah. yeah. So what are your thoughts on the first period? I'll, I'll start off with Weber. You know, it's nice seeing him get the you know, he, I could tell they're going to try to feed him a little bit more than usual, which is which is good, especially since, like, uh, you know, it looks like Vancouver's getting a little chippy and they're, you know, we might get a few more power plays, so the um, the chances for him will be there. Uh, you know, great first period for us. Like, it, you know, we came out how we did yesterday, um, you know, got a quick goal just like yesterday. Um, it's nice seeing, like, uh, you know, we're following through with the game plan and we don't really deviate from it except for this, uh, you know, Mete bullshit where... You know, we'll get into him. Yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> but um, no, everything's good. Jake Allen again just looks super solid. Yeah, I was even gonna say with Jake Allen, um, probably one of the stronger starts. You know, he typically we've said has looked a little shaky with the first five six minutes of the game. He was tested early on, and he just looked on it tonight. Yeah. You know, he he looks like he's really in position. This is an early prediction at a Jake Allen shutout. But, um, yeah, I like his game. Uh, now we can get into uh, the Victor Mete stuff. There's a couple things I wanted to talk about. Uh, the first one just being, he's taking now Romanov's spot. Yeah. That That's not okay with me. Like, just do you from think a they're just resting Romanov? Or do you think <sighs> that, you know, they're throwing in Kulak because they want to kind of sh uh, like punish Romanov a bit because he made a few bad plays yesterday? Or I think it's a mix of a few things. I think, one, yes, it is to give him a little bit of a break, let him kind of see the game, maybe from bird's eye view, get a little rest. Maybe he is having you know, a hard time adjusting. Um, two, I do think, it's, yeah, you know what, if the odd man out yesterday was Romanov, if it's not going to be Victor Mete, uh, he has to sit if he has to sit. But I also do think that basically... Um, they know it's not fair to Kulak to not play him. Mm -hmm. So I think while they're doing this little showcase of Victor Mete, they'll probably just flip him in and out. Yeah. One thing I'm kind of surprised though is if you're if you're not going to play Romanov this night, and you're going to like you're going to play Kulak, unless your specific reason is to show what Victor Mete can do, which isn't much. Where's like calling up Kale Flurry for a game from the taxi squad? If Romanov's down there, yeah, you might as well. You might as well, which is at least it's like the saving grace with it. Although it tells me that we're really just trying to make sure Mete gets in the game. Yeah, which to me says he's not going to be around for much longer. And speaking of, do, uh, do you want to talk about a couple of those mock trades yeah. you saw well, on if Instagram? I, if any of those mock trades are, you know, even like a you know representative heuristic of what's uh, you know in, in any GM's mind, like. You know, the value of this guy is so overinflated. I can't even, you know, it, I wouldn't mind because we'd absolutely be fleecing these teams. But, like, they would be insane to be offering what these people are. You know, I saw Vince Dunn. I saw Max Comtois. You know, like, this is, you know, that's insane value for him. I, I was asking about a third-round pick. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to see that. And, you know, it was, it was a surprise to me to see... You know how many people? I know they're mock trades. It's fans, but you know it's fans from different fan bases. Yeah. So for me to see, you know, Vince Dunn from Mete and a pick, yeah, easy steal. For Max sure. Comtois alone would be 
I can't believe it. I mean, how many times have we talked about having him on our team? Yeah. But um, I don't think Anaheim's going to do that. No, I wouldn't. You know, he fits their mold so well, and he's like he's he's offensive machine for them, and he's just coming into his own this year. Um, yeah, so let's just talk about the goals a little bit. So the first Anderson goal, you know, it looked like a power move. Uh, Sherratt's shot kind of squeaks through on the backside, and Anderson ends up throwing Hughes and the puck in the net. But when you really watch it, it's it's a lot more of a skill move. He had to kind of man, like, have a quick enough hands to shift his weight and just tap the puck in without kind of like, you know, let it, well, first of all, without letting Hughes clear it and being, you know, that big and that fast. It's, it's so much fun to watch him play. I think, you know, anyone who was denying that trade being a good move or at least skeptical, uh, they're done complaining. Yeah, and you know, know I, I, I wasn't skeptical at all about the trade. I was very, very happy with the trade. I think the only thing I was, uh, you know, a little nervous about, which I think, like, it, it's right to be nervous about, was the length of the contract. Not the contractual amount. I mean, like, we're paying him. But seven know, years. But seven years, you know. For a guy with now, now I understand. Yeah, right? Now it's just looking like an absolute steal. I mean, like, yeah. if this guy's producing this much, I mean, uh, you know. It's his sixth goal of the year. It's his sixth goal of the year, and he, you know, basically, he missed a game. Uh, he missed, like, a game and a half, basically. Yeah. yeah. He missed one full game, and then he, he also... Half yeah, exactly. He missed half the second and the third there. So, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, really, really producing for us. And Suzuki, again, two points tonight. Um, you know, I think uh, the best is yet to come with that line. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm just looking at this now. Uh, he's on a 49-goal pace <laughs> yeah. in a regular season. What do you, like, you know, I keep doing uh, this... Anderson, like, not Suzuki. Yeah, when, you, when you're... When the Habs are playing this well, I always like to like go on the other, you know, end of the ice and you know see things from their perspective. Like, you know, Vancouver's in like a world of hurt this year. Like, this is not good for them. Like, yeah, they, they can't seem to like get us under control, and you know they're they're not making any changes. That's the scary part. Is like you know that's when you're they can't. Yeah. Well, what would you do? They're, they're they, all injured. They're all injured, and their their reserve players aren't NHLers. It's the opposite issue with us where. Our reserve players are guys who would be on NHL lineups. You know, Corey Perry could very well be in someone's top nine. Frolik could be in someone's bottom six. Like, these guys are NHLers versus, you know, Vancouver, you know, a guy like, for example, Tyler Mott, he's not necessarily going to be on every single NHL squad. Sure, he might make the Detroits and the Chicago's of the world, but Tyler Mott's not making Boston. He's not making Tampa. He's not making Montreal. So... I don't know. I, I just I love that every period we seem to be scoring goals. Yeah, like throughout I mean, the year. Yeah, and I, I you know just to summarize that period, I think like you know Allen looks like as in position as he's ever been. He looks really really good, uh, following the puck really well. Uh, you know Vancouver's got some good cross crease passes. He's just he follows it like uh, second yeah. for second. And like uh, you know offensively, when whenever we see the Habs forecheck the way they're forechecking right now, like when Lekkinen's you know throwing his body into the front of the net and you know Gallagher's uh, you know slapping at the puck a little bit doing his uh, hunched over glide into the uh, glide into the crease getting ready for the cross check that's when you know the Habs are on and you know to see it this quick uh, you know you know despite how well this season's going the Habs haven't necessarily been a a fast start team Mm -hmm. we're a big second period team I think you know we scored I think like 20 of our goals in the second period Uh, so it's nice to see that we're starting to actually score more in the first because the Habs don't tend to do great when we're trailing. So, like, making sure we lock down that lead 
super, super important, even if it's only just one, you know, but obviously getting two is nice. Yeah, and, you know, there's not much else this period. I mean, it, it felt a little bit back and forth at one point, but I kind of feel like those last seven minutes were all Montreal, yeah. and I it's think they're the, going to jump right back into the second with that. Yeah, it's the opposite with Calgary with this team. It's like there's no neutral zone play. Oh, like, no, it's, absolutely It's blue not. line to blue line passes, and there's nothing that happens And they between. let you walk right in when you yeah. do carry it. yeah. So we'll just catch you guys after the second period. All right, we're back. The second intermission. Uh, it is at 4-1 halves. We got two goals from Tyler to Foley, which we're going to talk at length about. Uh, and then basically uh, we'll rant more about Victor Mete. So yeah, it's Jesse, not a take it away. It's not a halves game without a Victor Mete rant at this yeah. point. Um, do you want to start with the Foley goals or yeah, get the Mete with, stuff done? Let's start, let's start with the good. So to Foley... You know, it's getting almost uh, comedic at this point with Vancouver. Um, you know, two just, I mean, the second goal, I mean, might go down in, uh, you know, in history as, uh, you know, one of the nicest goals to ever occur. <laughs> that was yeah. unbelievable. That was, uh, unbelievable hands, unbelievable, uh, you know, just the whole play was just crazy. Who was the defenseman there? Jordy Ben. Oh, it's Jordy Ben, yeah. I would have just. I have uh, a soft spot in my heart I for love Jordy. Ben. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I if I was Thatcher Demko, I would have dropped my, my stick and chased after oh, yeah. to Foley after doing me like that. <laughs> like a that catcher in baseball. You never yeah. you never embarrass me like that publicly. <laughs> but even you know, even the first goal, great hand eye coordination. Yeah. Uh great yeah. Just, well we were laughing, we were saying he must not believe it. Everything he do, like touches turns to gold at yeah. this point. And he's the now the Everything he touches NFL. turns to gold. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> You know, he's now the scoring leader in the NHL, um, which is just crazy. It's so nice to hear as a Habs fan, you know, that like the, you know, the, the goal scoring leader in the NHL, you know, not after like the first game is the Montreal Canadian. And, um, you know, I think that's a trend we might see continue because we play Vancouver a lot. Yeah. And especially at that contract, four years at four and a quarter, that is looking like one of the most yeah. high value, maybe the most valuable contract in the league right yeah. now. Um yeah, so the assists on the first to Foley goal are Edmondson and Petrie, who we had a little scare there. We thought he was hurt. Same with Gallagher, but they're both okay. And uh, the second goal, he gets assists from KK and Weber. So everyone, once again, getting on the score sheet. We're two goals per period. We're on pace for another six-goal game. Yeah. Uh, couldn't be happier. I, I think it's worth mentioning. So, we you know, we talk about sports gambling a little bit. Um Going into tonight's game, Toffoli scoring two or more goals was a 10-to-1 return. And I jokingly said we should take it because it's Vancouver. And uh, we let it slide this time, but uh, we could have been uh, yeah. very happy men tonight. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, <laughs> you know, and even 10-to-1, like that, that just goes to show you how valuable this guy is against a team like Vancouver. Because like that's that's not very much. I no, mean, like, not for two goals. Not for two goals. I mean, like you, you see most guys up there like 35-40-to-1. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's getting, uh, you know, I, I can see those odds dropping again next time we play them. But yeah, uh, yeah. So let's move on to Victor Mete here. I mean, you know, we're we're ranting about him in the first intermission. Uh, in the second period, there, uh, you know, the goal, the goal against, that was all Victor Mete. I mean, like, you obviously we blame the line because it was a bad defensive, uh, defensive uh, hustle back to, to begin with. But again, like Victor Mete, we're giving him the left position. You know, Kulak and Romanov are both left hand D, and he still does not want to stay on the left hand side. And like he he pivots over. Kulak has no idea what he's doing. Kulak stays on the right. Mete goes to the right. Then there's a guy open right in front of the net, and you know 
There it goes. Yeah, I think a big part of that, too, is I don't even think Victor Mete wanted to switch sides. I think Jay Beagle took him to the other side. This yeah. is this Could is be. where we have to break it down a little bit, too. So now, Victor Mete is, in, you know, he's affecting himself by being a horrible hockey player that he's just not going to perform. He's now affecting his line mates when he's on the ice. He's then affecting the Habs overall because he's you know responsible for every goal that Vancouver has scored over the last two games he's been the only one who's consistently on the ice he's also now responsible for a delay in Romanov development like he he's not done yeah. anything positive so just to put that in perspective yeah just to put that in perspective Victor Mete has actually been on the ice for every single Vancouver goal yeah he's a minus three and we yeah. won six to two and we're up four one yeah so you know there is something to that and you know, I, I think a lot of it, I, I haven't really analyzed Victor Mente's play in the past, but, you know, his positional game is very weak. Well, like he, how, he can't hold a position. No. It's, he physically can't do it. He, he and, can't, He's not yeah, strong. Then you, then you pair that with him overreaching offensively, and it just leads to really bad results. You know, like, he, he joins the rush almost every play, but with, like, you know, on plays where he shouldn't be joining the rush, where they have, like, guys hanging back, and, um, you know, a lot of the times... He'll join the rush early, like at our blue line, and that'll lead to a winger, uh, you know, a valuable winger like to Foley hanging back to cover his position. When in reality, Victor Mete isn't a good swap for. Well, I was gonna Foley. say if yeah, so. if he if he was putting up sixty five points a year, I'd be more inclined to try and be an apologist. But he's putting up about oh, if he's putting three. Up, if he was putting <laughs> up thirty points a year, yeah, I would. But that's exactly. But that's the thing. He, he doesn't, doesn't break no, five. Well, that's the thing. He doesn't put up any points. Yet he what plays his, the role. I think his best year was seven points or something. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Maybe thirteen at the highest. Yeah. So and you know that that's you know possibly playing first line minutes with Shea Weber. So highest point total thirteen points in seventy one games. Thirteen assists. Zero. What was his time on ice? Uh, I don't have that in front of me right yeah, there, I'm, I but I'm going to guarantee you it's, it's upwards of 18. Yeah, so, yeah, it, it, at minimum. Yeah. Yeah, minimum, because uh, he was playing uh, the penalty kill there, too. Oh, and, my gosh, don't you know, remind just, me of that. Uh, you know, I hope we just move this guy soon, just cause, so we can get our D back to what we were doing. Yeah, you know, I... Romanov, Kulak, just keep it keep it tight there. I just don't understand the point of showcasing that. It's arguable that having the mystery behind his potential raises his value. Yeah, I think the only Seeing reason... play that, lowers it. Yeah, with the extended offseason there, I think maybe teams just want to make sure that he's in shape and stuff because uh, they have to hit the ground running, especially because, um, let's say he goes to the States, there's going to be like a week, two-week process going in. Any team that is needing Victor Mete does not have to worry about his physical health He's he's not good enough to be that, so they're in a bad enough place already. Yeah, it's almost like if, if a team <laughs> if a team is in a bad enough position that they need Victor Mete, they probably don't need Victor Mete. They exactly. Need, they need a you know a uh, saving grace. Well, that's but. exactly, and they all think he's Shane Gostisbehere when in reality he's a, he's Jack Johnson. Yeah, it's like you know Shane Gostisbehere. That's one of those guys where you make the argument, you know, like his offensive upside comes with massive defensive downside, but you know Mete. Get na- you get neither. You get the offensive downside. Oh, you with, get yeah, exactly. With the uh, yeah. you know you, the potential of defensive downside. Yeah, exactly. You get the yeah. It's just uh, it's painful to watch, and you know, unfortunately, I think we're gonna have a game or two. I can see him, you know, not moving before the end of the Ottawa series. Yeah, I think we're giving him the quote unquote easy games. Yeah, so and but it's just like unfortunate I said, you know, because I want Romanov to have the easy games because yeah. that's when he can maybe get a few extra reps with Petrie near the end of the game. That's when he can kind of. 
that's that's when you take you know your growing pains a little bit, put them out against Brady Kachuk for the last few shifts, and it's five to one. You know, it's just it's so frustrating to see because this this feels like like not just a lateral step, but actually a step back. Yeah, and it it's like I wouldn't be as upset if it was a net zero, but you know. Mete being on the ice is like quite literally a negative to us, and well, judging it, from those plays, I mean, well, it's so sloppy. frustrating. We're we're killing Vancouver again, and like all I can focus on is just how god awful this guy is. Yeah, I, I I notice him every time he's on the ice. He's he hasn't made one good play yet, and like I'm really looking because I want to be able to say, oh, okay, at least he did that. You know, I saw him make one breakout pass. Yeah. And it was the flim. It, it made it there by the skin of its teeth. Yeah, and you know, guys, this is the thing. It's like I actually want him to perform well because, like, you know, he's asked for a trade, and like, I want his value to be high. So, yeah, I, and we want the team to do well. Yeah, like, it's, it's not. It's, uh, it's not that I'm just you know wishing the worst upon him. It's I, you know, I actually want him to bring yeah. in something. So I actually want him to play well. But you know, it's not what we're getting. Yeah, we're just getting a lot of the same from him, but you know we're getting a lot of the same from Tyler Toffoli too. Yeah, exactly. so I'll at least balances. I'll say it balances out. Maybe tips in our favor. Yeah, a maybe bit. tips in our favor. So you know, same goes with Jake Allen. I mean, yeah, Jake great. Allen. I'm you know I I feel so bad that he deserves a shutout. Yeah, he just deserves it, and that was taken from him. But you know, same thing like a couple games ago, I believe uh, against Edmonton. You know, he just he's earning. His time. Yeah, they scored with like two minutes left. Yeah, or and it just he it was a shutout. You know, it's a shutout in our hearts kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, guys, we'll catch you after the game. Uh, we'll have a quick recap. Right, five to three win for the Canadians. We have an empty net goal from Jeff Petrie, assisted by Toffoli. Good unselfish play. Yeah, I could definitely it's you good know team play. Yeah, and you know it's it's definitely tempting when you have that hat trick looming over you, but you know he'll just rack up the points. You know, yeah. NHL leading points. I, I definitely I see where he was coming from there, especially like as a new guy in the team, you don't want to look you know selfish with that stuff. Um, but you know, even from a hockey kind of uh, play there, uh, you know, he didn't have a clear shot. No, so. it wasn't a guarantee, but it was just yeah. you know, there's a lesser player would definitely try to yeah. force it. Gallagher would definitely go for it, but you know, he's not a lesser player. <laughs> not a lesser just, player, uh, but a uh, definitely riskier a player, less cerebral yeah. player. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we also got a 9.23 save percentage from Allen, despite the high volume of shots. And, uh, well, not despite, that would actually make his yeah. save despite percentage the goals. go up. Yeah. Despite the goals he let in. Um, all in all, a good game. Kind of a weak showing from the Habs in the end. I didn't really love the third yeah. period. They kind of turtle-shelled do, a do little. You know, do you notice, like, for, uh, in the last 10 minutes of the third when we have a lead, and especially in overtime, I really don't like Kojunle's strategies. No, he, he goes exactly what I was saying with that turtle-shell. He kind of plays a defensively-minded game. I know, like, the offense is out there, but if you notice, you'll see a lot more Deno. You'll see a lot more Evans. You'll see a lot less of the uh, Kotkaniemi line that's, you know, Clearly, an offensive powerhouse. Yeah, it bugs me though, just because you know that's when we always get stung. Like, yeah, I'm not for it. Yeah, I, I find you know when we start like you know rotating our uh, you know our little turtle shell there and you know like cycling our, our wingers to the you know to the blue line and you know just collapsing and collapsing and collapsing like that's when they they always inevitably score on us and especially in overtime when we play that super super defensive hockey it just it never works. And the whole reason why the Habs, I, f- I feel, are successful right now with their with their play styles is forecheck, forecheck, forecheck. And when you just let these guys cycle the puck, you you can't let like Pedersen and stuff like that do that. I mean, well, that that's the thing I was gonna say. Looking at who was out on the goal against, we had Sherratt and Weber. 
which is fine. But then if you look at the forwards that were out there, it was Dano, Gallagher, and Evans. That doesn't scream, you know, Habs competition line. That that yeah. sounds like, you know, let's put two defensive centers and then maybe Gallagher can kind of just forecheck his way to the net. Maybe just let him try out penalty killing a little in that sense. I didn't really like it. And, I mean, look, it resulted in a goal. Yeah, we just got a little lackadaisical in the yeah, end. There's a couple close calls, and I just I don't know. I, I'd like to see us play sixty minutes of the same hockey. Yeah, and especially on a team whose six on five isn't especially good, like Vancouver. I mean, like they don't have uh, you know, it'd be scary with a team like uh, you know Tampa Bay or mm-hmm. or like a Washington where it's like you know everyone on the ice is like a lethal weapon. Yeah, that doesn't really happen with Vancouver. So like I feel like. You know, it obviously makes a difference that they have an extra man out there, but like, you know, six on five doesn't make a huge Yeah, you difference. don't have to start like, playing a diamond or a You don't box. have to start playing a diamond. It's like, just go get the guy. Like, it's not like it's, you know, five on three. Like, you know, you can still grab a man and like, there's always a guy in front of the net. You don't have to watch him. You know, like the D's there. Yeah. So the forwards are just press up to the blue line. Yeah. You know? it's, just, it's, another, crazy. it's another game where I see three goals against and I just don't think it was indicative of how Allen played. That, no, to I me, know. was not me. a three-goal game, you yeah. know? Yeah, But, yeah. you know, at the same time, 9.23. I'm not going to complain about the save it's percentage. It's crazy because, the, you know, a 9.23 for Allen brought down his save percentage. Yeah. That's how that's how well he's playing, you know? And, you know, going back to what you were saying with, you know, the flack that this guy was catching last year, like, what the hell are they talking about? Well, that's what happens. You have one down year two and a half years ago, and for the rest of your career, you're labeled as... On you know downhill. Is he like first in GA in the league or something? Well, yeah, no. That last year they were showing the stats that he was. Well, no, it was in his last twenty five games, right? Oh, I'm, I'm not on. Yeah, they were talking about last year. I think it was his last twenty five games, including this season. Okay, yeah. Just well, to increase the sample size. It was like a second bit. in uh, save like percentage. Or something. Yeah, something like it was like highest G, uh, lowest GA, and second overall in save percentage. Yeah. Just a great overall goal. Like uh, it's a thing, you know. St. Louis jumped on him because the year that Biddington kind of came through for them when they won the Cup, that was Allen's rough year. And, you know, they, they just haven't been able to let go of that because they just see Biddington as their lord and savior at that point. No, I can't blame them, but, like, I do blame the fans that basically threw him under the bus, but we're welcome to have him. He's a great goalie, and yeah. no complaints there. Moving on to Nick Suzuki. Uh, you know, Nick Suzuki now has 11 points in 10 games. I mean, this guy is just shaping up to be, uh, you know, everything we, we thought we had and even more. Um, you know, what does that pan out to an 82-game season? We'll double-check that. But, you know, I think this is going to be the year, I mean, you know, uh, you know um, if I was betting, if I was a betting man, I mean, this would be the uh, the season where I see an explosion from Nick Suzuki points-wise at the end of the season going into the, uh, the playoffs. Um, you know, Jesse just ran those numbers. That's a 90.2-point uh, season on an 82-game uh, year. You know, that's a uh, that's an all-star. I'd like to contrast that with, and I know Dubois hasn't played in Winnipeg yet, but his one point in five games. Yeah. So the fact that they were asking for Suzuki shows, once again, definitely not the trade that you're making. You're not getting Nick Suzuki for yeah. Pierre Dubois. Um Next, it, next up, we have, uh, you know, it looks like Philip Dano's struggling a little bit to get the puck in the net. Um, what do you think this does for his contract negotiations? I mean, it's funny because you'd think that his offensive production wouldn't be impacting his contract negotiation, but I, I think his approach is kind of screwed himself a little. Yeah, he's made it because about Because he's it, yeah. made it about his offense. This is kind of the catch-22 for him. And also, 
Mark Bergevin, I mean, obviously he wants to keep him because, like we've said before, like I want this guy on my team. Yeah. He's a, a very, very elite defensive forward. It's just he can't have that offensive role. He had numerous chances tonight that should have been buried and would have been buried by a you know more offensively talented player. Um, you know, I, I have my running joke where, you know, he rejected $5 million, and so every time he has a chance and he doesn't score, I've been taking off a certain amount of money, and we're down to uh, $4.8 million now yeah. per year. Yeah, yeah. It's funny with Philip Denno because it's, you know, it's obviously a guy, like, I you know, I'd kill to keep. I could see him, you know, holding the C in a few years once, you know, Weber takes a, uh, you know, either a lesser role or retires, uh, so maybe more than a few years. But, you know, he's, he's clearly a leader in the locker room. I mean, he's, com- you know, he's... You know, he's a non-negotiable on this team for many reasons. Obviously, his defensive play, uh, his face-offs, but also, you know, he's a component of that Tatar Gallagher and, uh, you know, Den line. And, you know, that's, like we say, you know, he's one of the best lines in hockey. And I don't think we can afford to lose him, but, you know, we also can't afford to pay him six and a half mil a year. No, that's so it. I, I, think... I think we, I think we uh, agreed on, you know, anywhere between five and five, seven, five would be, you know, probably ideal. Five, seven, five on, on the high end. Yeah, I... Um, I would say that, for me, with Philip Deneau, the way I would actually think this team is going to trend is next year, Nick Suzuki is going to be the first-line center. I would be less than surprised if Philip Deneau, Gallagher, and Tatar are the second line, and Kotkaniemi stays on that third line for a few more years, even. Yeah, just because play the it guy's like how we're 20. playing it. Yeah. He's 20. If, if in five years, he'll be 25. Yeah. You know, we don't have to rush him. He gets an... Uh, a good amount of time. He's having a great year offensively already. And with how deep we are, he's playing with good players. Exactly. It's not like he's playing with our trash. Well, that's exactly know? where I was going with it. It's like we're not impacting his development at all. Yeah. So for me... He's playing with Toffoli and Armia or Perry. Well, there it's you like, go. And it, and so... the Toffoli's our leading goal scorer. Yeah. Like, and, and so what, I, like, what I'm basically like looking at with this is if I'm trying to explain it to Philip Deneau, if I'm Marc Bergevin or you know, Deneau's agent, is you're not signing away your top six minutes. What you're, what you're signing away is your first-line minutes. And mm-hmm. you're saying yeah. this is going to be a transition to I'm going to work with Kotkaniemi over the next... Because let's, let's just go with the six years, right? Over the first half of his contract, Deno is the second-line center. Yeah. And then he'll hit 30 years old. And Kotkaniemi will hit 23. And they'll flip. And the ice time will barely change because Tatar will be into his 30s. Gallagher will be into his 30s. Yeah. These guys will stay together on the third line. Imagine the third line of Tatar, Deno, Gallagher in their early 30s. Yeah. Having played together now at that point for almost 10 years. Yeah. It's just it's exactly what you wanted, or at least a better part of a decade. Maybe not up to 10 years yet. But all of a sudden now you have this incredible chemistry in a depth role. I, you know, I can definitely see that line going down as one of the best in Habs history if they just keep it together. And that's where I'd say, okay, maybe you know what? Deno, take a bit less money because by the end of your contract, you're in the bottom six. Here's a million performance bonuses. If you think you're the offensive guy, go earn your bonuses. Yeah. And two, like, you're you're signing this for the potential, like, multiple cup runs this team goes on. This is how, like, this is the part where I think, like, you have to kind of sit down, especially after a good year from the Habs, if they keep up this pace and say... If you don't want to be a part of this, you are not going to ruin this for everyone. Yeah, exactly. And you know, um, we have we have so much you know depth down the center too. And you know, 
how how deep this team is is like you know our third and you know even going down to the fourth line center position. Not that I don't think Dano would ever would ever jump down there, especially with like you know the money we're talking about. That would just be insane. But you know, right now third line guys are playing with Tyler Foley. Yeah, no, that's exactly. Arias. It's not a third yeah. line. Yeah, quote it's unquote. it's yeah, and I I hope like the ego doesn't get the best of it, but. You know, Deno also has to consider, like, you know, how much of a pay cut is he willing to take to live in, like, you know, the city he grew up in, uh, the city he, you know, he always talks about how much he has an attachment to Montreal, and, uh, you know, I feel like if he's gonna... Start a family here. Yeah, if he started a family here, yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, I I find it hard to believe that, you know, 5-5 five, five would be completely off the table if, like, you know... He's expecting like six two five or six five. Yeah, that would that, like, just dude, be insane to me. Yeah, like, it's like we'll five, give you performance we were, bonuses. Well, yeah, and and like, you, we were even saying five five is high for me because I'm yeah. looking at the other guys just on the team. Well, five five for less years. I'm saying. Yeah, five. But even I'm saying even then five five. That's in the world right now of Anderson, Tatar, and Druin. Like he's not that player. No. And I, I don't mean he's a lesser player in terms of like it's not but all. Let's be offense. fair. I mean Anderson's undervalued. Yeah, is but Druin is Druin. Kind of, Druin's probably perfect. Yeah, and Tatar when he signed, he I mean he makes five point three. Tatar Tatar's probably still undervalued. Right, but I but I mean just looking at those guys. Tatar is like, I would say roughly Gallagher. Yeah, well there you go. Next contract, but either way, I'm just saying that puts them in that realm. Can we afford that? I'm not sure, but I Merck Bergevin makes three four years ahead. I'm not worried about that. But, uh, yeah, okay, well, all in all, 5-3 victory. Nothing yeah. to complain about. Looking good. Uh, the next game's the 4th. Yeah, we play Thursday, and uh, Ottawa's coming to Montreal, and then uh, we play Saturday night in Ottawa. Right. Yeah, so any uh, thoughts about those games? I'm looking forward to playing a new team. Yeah. But, uh, no, I'm just excited. I, I always hate playing Brady Kachuk. I know, but I also like playing teams that are built like Ottawa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.